0: Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Welcome to The Seminarian Show. I'm Jonathan Torres from the Diocese of Charlotte, North Carolina. Joining me are Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas, and Gordon Mott from Columbus, Ohio. Let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. So today I want to talk about evangelization. This is a broad term. Uh, there are many ways to be evangelized, as it were, through apologetics using scripture um there are ways to be evangelized through art and beauty experiencing uh the goodness or uh just of of nature itself um i remember hearing uh a quip about nature being uh the second the second set of scriptures um it reveals god to us um and there's other ways of being evangelized um through examples right so the example of um just good christians living out their christian life um, so I wanted to touch on all of these, um, but I wanted to begin first with defining evangelization. And I think um, at the core of evangelization is a verse from Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. And I quote, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so this is Christ's commission to us as Christians to go out and spread the good news. That's mm-hmm. where we get the word evangelize. Um, from Evangelios, I think it is, from the Greek. Um, good news, yeah, spreading good that news. good news. Um, and so, just to elaborate on that definition, we can talk about what evangelization is, what it isn't. And I think we can start by saying that it isn't winning an argument. A lot of people like to think about evangelization as, I need to I need to win souls. Um, and why that, while that might be correct and in a sense it's not so much about winning in numbers, right? Mm -hmm. It's about the good of the other person, right? Mm -hmm. Evangelization evangelization ultimately stems from a love of God and a love of others for God.
1: Yeah, it's a qualitative experience, not a quantitative one, I'd say. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so ultimately through our baptism, we we partake in Christ's mission as priest, prophet, and king, right? And so we are called to be christ to other people
1: i think there's a song about that we are called we are chosen we are christ for one another you
0: you don't want to sing it oh no i'm not i was kicked out of the school
2: (laughs) hey you had the rhythm right and everything man
0: well that's not my department i can't sing but regardless yes. so in our baptism we do take on this responsibility of being christ to the world and again we we take on christ's commission of going out to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so I want to open up the, the floorboard, as it were, um, to you and, <laughs> and just ask what are your experiences with um, evangelization? How does it look like in your life growing up? Um, for instance, in my diocese, Charlotte, it's a southern diocese. So it takes on more of an apologetic um, nature. We are in a bible belt south so a lot of um we have a lot of protestant brothers and sisters that we uh encounter a lot more than when i lived in long island where every block had a catholic church and everyone was catholic by name and yeah i really
1: wanted to make a joke about how many brothers and sisters you have oh and if you had more when you got to charlotte or (laughs) we did when you
0: (laughs) We're in Long Island. Yeah, Protestant brothers and sisters, not counting my eight siblings. So Are they Catholic or <laughs> They're Protestant? all Catholic. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I don't need to evangelize to them. So <laughs> <laughs> False. <laughs> False. <laughs> Hopefully I'm setting a good example, but who knows. Um, but anyway, yeah, what does is, what is, um, evangelization kind of look like for you growing up? Were there instances where you had to defend a faith in, in what way, in what setting?
2: Well, I mean... It's interesting you say growing up because I was an adult convert so evangelization didn't look like much okay. of anything to me growing up. The uh, But I mean... As, Were you uh,
0: evangelized too?
2: <laughs> <laughs> as uh, as an adult coming in, um, I was evangelized by a good and holy Catholic co-worker that, uh, uh, whose example really kind of challenged a lot of perceptions that I had. Hmm. Um, and I'm always edified by... Um, Bishop Campbell, uh, is fond of, uh, sorry for spoiling this for any converts, but Bishop Campbell is fond of when he does the rite of welcoming, um, he does this, this little thing and he'll say, Oh, how many people came here because of something that they saw on television and some hands will raise and, you know, how many people, cause of something that they heard on radio and some hands will raise. And what about a good book that you read? And some hands will raise. And then he'll say, how many people are here because they knew somebody that had thing something about them and you couldn't really put your finger on it, but you wanted what they had and all these hands shoot up and he says, Mm. it would appear that we've all learned a powerful lesson about what evangelization consists of. Right. The, um, I mean, because this was a person who had a very difficult life and had no reason to be as, as joyful as she was. And yet there she was joyful in all of it, you know, and that's enough to get you asking questions sometimes. Yeah. Um, but then, in my adult life, you know, when I came into the the faith, you know, a lot of people that I knew had questions, um, you know, about why I would have made some of the decisions I did or why I gave up some of the things that I did, um, including my business, and uh, that that can be a, a difficult call sometimes to, you know, but it's right there in the scripture: be ready at all times, forgive the reasons for your faith, right? Yeah, yeah. The uh, and so that was while. While it can sometimes be a trying practice, it's always a joyful one. Um, and then, you know, just going out through summer assignments and things, making friends with people from the area that aren't necessarily from the parish, and, mm. and especially like doing hospital ministry. Last summer was a real joy to me, um, doing hospital ministry and building relationships with all of the Protestant chaplains from the area that mm. were also going in, and, you know, some of the automatic expectations that Catholics don't know scripture. Oh, Really? you know cuz uh <laughs> this one does but so uh what about you dalton
1: i think i grew up in an interesting part of texas texas is further south than north carolina and uh, but at the same time it's it's <laughs> it it's, it's it's its own place it i is. wouldn't <laughs> say it fits into the stereotype of the south even though part of the state is considered the bible belt sure yeah um And the the area I grew up in is strong German-Czech settlements uh, from the early 19th century, mid-19th century. Uh, So very Catholic. Like the Diocese of Victoria now, we're at our lowest number ever at 42% Catholic. Mm. Um, So I grew up in a very Catholic area. Um, I never really recalled—there was never really the temptation not to be Catholic. Even the Catholics who didn't go to church were considered Catholic you know, they're oh, still Catholic. They're yeah, going to bring yeah. their kids to be baptized because that's just what happens yeah. uh, when you live in these communities. Uh, but my grand, my dad's dad uh, lives in Lynchburg, Tennessee. There's not even a Catholic church in Lynchburg, Tennessee. If you're going to do the Jack Daniels tour, <laughs> don't plan to go to mass in Lynchburg, <laughs> Tennessee because there's not a church. Maybe bring your own priest. You can say it somewhere you there know, you go, yeah. out on a picnic table in the... <laughs> Tourists in our parking lot, I don't know, um, but it was up there that I think I had my first experience of what it means uh to encounter our modern day sense of evangelization mm. because it's not only Catholics trying to spread the good news about the truth of the beauty of the church um as the unifying entity for Christians, mm-hmm. but I was being evangelized by my Baptist cousins, aunts and uncles, grandparents, Hmm. um, who feel like they have the truth too. So, you know, these, these two conflicting, um, opinions of me, well, what do you mean I'm wrong? There's no way I could be, everybody's this way back home. (laughs) (laughs) And then this, um, this very firm held belief, uh, that what they had was true and right and the way to encounter God and to encounter Christ's love, um, and so as I grew in my own—that's probably what encouraged me to grow in my own Catholic faith and identity. Yeah. To go from, well, this is just what we do when you're from right. Weimar, Texas, to, wow, yeah, like, I really do believe in this. Yeah. Um, and I want you to believe it, too, because I love you so much, um, especially when it comes to the Eucharist and mm-hmm. uh, to the intercession of Mary. Yeah. Um, so that's what it was kind of like for me growing up and what spurred— Maybe a heart for evangelization?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember, well, so I was homeschooled. Growing up, I was homeschooled. And so we had a That's a
1: few... 100% Catholic class.
0: Yeah, it, well, exactly. And so I was always prepared, right? I was just imagining the day I would get to talk to my first Protestant, you know, <laughs> see if what I learned in class actually worked. Um, but we did have classes on apologetics. My dad got a few books, and we got together with some homeschoolers from our community, And we would just read these books, um, classic books from, like, Tim Staples, Patrick Madrid. uh, Trent Horn is a newer name, I think, now. Um, But they kind of give you nice step-by-step guidelines, all the way from how to just, like, arguments and rhetoric all Mm -hmm. the way to Bible verses that... Back up what we believe as Catholics, and and I ate that stuff up. I, I really like that stuff.
2: So you were um, like the Catholic Perry Mason, right?
0: Uh, no, not really. <laughs> Did you ever
1: ask for a PlayStation?
0: <laughs> no, I'm joking. We had a GameCube. Growing up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it was it wasn't until um, I remember my sister got a jo- actually a few of my siblings started working at Chick-fil-A. Oh nice. Yeah, my and, pleasure. Oh yes, and they really enjoyed their time there. The great community, great people that work there. Um, but they got into a lot of debates, mm-hmm. friendly debates about the faith. They were Catholic. Yeah. Everybody else was Protestant Christian. Wow. And I remember my sister coming home saying, "You know, Jonathan, why do we call our priest father?" when in the bible jesus says don't call anybody father I was like oh that's let me dig through my memory back into my homeschool years funny um, you should ask yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me pull that out of my pocket but it's funny because when people ask you questions then you have to look inside yourself and and question what you believe mm-hmm. so you can give that defense so in a way evangelization is not just you giving answers, but also refreshing what you know, mm-hmm. right? Bringing that to mind, and
1: I think that's huge—is the refreshing what we know, yeah, refreshing what we've heard, what we've encountered, especially for cradle Catholics who went through uh, those CCD programs or catechism classes that the apostles founded when Christ commissioned them yeah. to make disciples mm-hmm. of all nations you know they've made these great little classes for everyone to go to <laughs> and they they have persevered to this day yeah, after mass year. on sunday right it's or on wednesday <laughs> nights you know um but but we encountered those at such a young age we learned these truths that they do i think become stale in our hearts and in our minds yeah exactly and so it is that refreshing this re- reawakening yeah of what we encountered so long ago. Exactly,
0: exactly. That's all that
2: you know and hold fast to that, which is true, right? Exactly.
0: Especially for, well, at least (coughs) Dalton and I, we've grown up Catholic. And so it can have this air of familiarity. Mm -hmm. And so it could almost be a grace for us who are called to evangelize when people come to us and ask us questions. Mm -hmm. We are not only given an opportunity to form a relationship with that person and not only bring them closer to Christ, God willingly, through the grace of the Holy Spirit, but we are also... We had this encounter to deepen our faith as well. And so. there's something
1: beautiful about seeking truth with someone. Yeah, you know, yeah. You journey together. You search together.
0: Yeah, and that's actually um, I'm reminded of Tolkien and C.S. Lewis's friendship and how it started. <laughs> what? <I'm> laughing. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I have to sneak in literature in every episode <laughs> that we have. I'm sorry.
1: Specifically, Tolkien. Well, and or C.S. Dante. Lewis.
0: Dante. I didn't mention Dante except for now. I guess there goes that. <laughs> but no, but. Um, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis's friendship bloomed over uh, C.S. Lewis's conversion. Mm-hmm. And so he was an atheist, and Tolkien was a Catholic, and he brought him to Christianity through their love of literature, just conversations long through the night. Um, and so it's just reinforcing what you said. Yeah. Like, finding truth with somebody else can be a huge foundation for a, lot, a lifelong friendship. Not mm-hmm. even just a conversion, but a mm-hmm. real friendship, too. So.
2: He actually. Um Wrote a beautiful meditation about that and Surprised by Joy. It's uh, three chapters before he finally gets to his final conversion
1: mm.
2: um, about how much it meant to him to kind of be accompanied while he was struggling. Yeah, yeah. Which accompaniment is like kind of the crux of, of true evangelization. Oh, like yeah, that, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And we'll get there. We'll get there. So You're listening to The Seminary Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM 820. You can hear this show every Saturday at 1130 and Sunday at 1 p- p.m in the audio archives at com, I'm Jonathan Torres from the Diocese of Charlotte. Joining me are Dalton Irvin from Victoria, Texas, and Gordon Mott from from Columbus, Ohio. Go home team. Go home team. (laughs) So we've been talking a little bit about evangelization, um, our experiences with evangelization growing up, how it can be a foundation for a deeper friendship or relationship um, aside from just getting another soul into heaven, <laughs> as it were, as if that's like a bad thing. But <laughs> um, but yeah, we can start moving on to, I think, other facets of evangelization. Specifically, I've been thinking about how some groups are easier than others. Um, as seminarians, learning to be priests, we're going to be faced with evangelization in a very different way than, mm. than lay people perhaps are entering their workplaces and, you know, encountering people that are so disinterested in their faith. Mm-hmm. You know, we might have the luxury of just strengthening faith more so and mm-hmm. letting those people go out and really doing the dirty work yeah, of evangelization. Well,
1: the document from Vatican II, Lumen Gentium, mm. was very clear that the priest's role is is to educate the the faithful who come to the, the church, right? Yeah, through, yeah. Especially through the homily, but in all aspects of priestly ministry. And then it's the laity who actually... Spreads the faith through their their living it out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in in daily life,
0: exactly. Yeah. So um so yeah, but I wanted to kind of touch on this day and age that we're living in. Unfortunately, not everyone is a fiery Southern Baptist preacher that <laughs> wants to learn truth, right? Yeah. And I think that that's a, a an interesting testament to evangelization that it might be easier to get someone to convert that's on fire for his or her beliefs than just someone who is uh, lukewarm, agnostic.
1: Yeah, this is interesting.
0: I don't know. You you think otherwise? I kind of do. I think it may... Explain yourself. I mean, I think...
1: (laughs) I think indifferent may be the key word there, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But when you encounter someone who's convinced of their own art, you know, their own position, Mm -hmm. um, it has... It has less to do with being fiery or or passionate about something and more to do with certitude, I think. Mm. Um, Because you can have your Southern Baptist preacher, for example, who's fiery and for the faith. But if he's so convinced in his own position, (coughs) you're never going to convince him otherwise.
0: That's true. I think maybe I should clarify what I said. And someone who is, for instance, a fiery Baptist preacher— if he's truly in love with his faith, he is going to try to find reasons to defend his faith, and in doing so, he will encounter the truth.
1: Okay, I think that's what. But even I'm the agnostic, at. the agnostic that's searching for truth for some meaning, that's the person who I think may be easier. Well, the agnostic, to convert. but, well, but I,
0: the agnostic by his very nature is indifferent. He's kind of like there could be a god, there might not be a god. Maybe he needs to be who atheist. Cares? Well, I, think, I don't know. Well, I think well, a person who's Firmly rooted in their beliefs are always going to be questioning it in a—not in a negative sense, but in a sense that he is searching for for deepening that truth. And so, like the Protestant preacher, even as priests, we should continue to ask ourselves, okay, how does it look from this angle and this angle and this angle? But if we have the truth, then it's only going to be affirmed, right? Yeah. And so— I just think that because the Catholic, a Catholic's
1: relationship with God is very different than many Protestant mm-hmm. views of God yeah. and how we relate to God. You know, the, the Catholic idea is very intimate mm-hmm. um, and very relational. Yeah. not this you know God here. That is true. Here. That is true. And so, for for other Christians to come to see God in a Catholic way, they almost have to not see God in their former way. If that makes sense. Right. You know, you have to let that go and almost completely turn it around. Yeah. Yeah. So I think,
2: I think there needs to be some refinement there. Right. Because so like there's, um, there's a beautiful people's conceptions of God can't, I I don't know that we can necessarily paint them all. That's going to be ABC. We can't fit these things in a nice little box. Mm-hmm. Right. Because there are going to be lots of Catholics who unfortunately have the false view that the Father is distant, right? The uh, And a lot of those are going to be affected by their lived human experiences. If you have a distant Father, then you're going to look at the Eternal Father in a kind of a distant way, right? The um, Because I know plenty of Protestants who are very serious when they say, well, you know, Jesus Christ, my Lord and personal Savior. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of good and holy Protestants who start off their day by calling prayer partners. Um, like there's one group that I know of that like they'll do a three-way call and, you know, they, they pray with each other at the mm-hmm. beginning of every day, which is this beautiful kind of a thing. Now we do this through like the liturgy, of the hours, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, certainly that's not a common thing with, with every Catholic. Well, and so you know? that
1: was kind of the point I was getting at is that you don't, like for Catholics, we can pray in unity without being on the phone with each other. And that's a concept that's hard to get to. I think if you're so used to the conference call prayers, it's hard to get to the idea maybe of how you can be in union in, in intercessory prayer mm-hmm. by all praying the rosary at different times during the day. Yeah, because God operates outside of space and time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. still, you're praying one prayer together.
0: Right. I think that's a hard thing to grasp. That is. I think. My, going back to my point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. I think, uh, Dalton, your point is taken that Catholics and Protestants do view, I think, even faith very differently. Um, And so in that sense, a Protestant, because they go by sola fide, sola scriptura, um, these principles that paint reason in a negative light, Mm -hmm. um, since reason is not part of that scripture alone or faith alone picture, it's less trustworthy when it comes to deepening their faith and so i do think i do think it, it's it's hard to reason philosophically with some 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 protestants not all of course um i'm reminded of a story my sister was talking to her protestant coworker at Chick-fil-A and she this coworker eventually said well i'm just going to have to believe what you're saying is not true mm-hmm. and my sister's like well here's the historical evidence and here's the reason she's like that's not what my faith is telling me. So, we can continue being friends, but like I can't take that into consideration. Yeah. For a Catholic that's not thinkable, right? Like we would try to reason through it, right? Um and so that that, that I think that's a entirely valid observation. I think what I was getting at in saying that a person, a a Protestant Christian who is on fire for their faith is on, is first of all praying daily to increase their faith to go closer to grow closer to our lord and so i think our lord will answer his prayers if we believe that the catholic church is truly the 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 one church that jesus christ founded that he wants everyone to be a part of then why wouldn't we believe that that you know that protestant christian his answers could be fulfilled and especially if he's trying to grow closer when he's confronted with what seems like adversary positions, if he's looking at them, the truth will defend itself and he'll come to that that realization, that conversion.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I just struggle with this concept, though. Like, It's like a, a young man called to seminary asking the Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And the Lord can be calling him to the priesthood, obvious, clear. Everyone's telling him, like, you'd be a great priest. Mm-hmm. In his heart, he feels somehow the Lord is telling him this, but he doesn't want to do it. And so he ignores it and ignores it and yes. ignores it.
0: But then his but his original prayer then wouldn't be sincere, well, right? No, I mean, it was sincere, but it's he's like, like... Lord, what do you want me to do? But I don't want to be a priest. And what's, why is he even asking our so Lord get, what to do? So you
1: get to your fi- fiery whatever denomination you want to have. Mm-hmm. And Lord, reveal to me the truth. And the Lord reveals to him something that's... Or, you know, they, they encounter the, the Catholic Church mm-hmm. in a whole new way. And they're like, nope.
0: Yes. Well... Okay, that's fair. Because I think my that we're grandfather dealing... was
1: a minister exactly. of this church, my okay, dad sure, was a minister sure, of this church. Sure. I'm a minister of this I church, think and I know.
0: Maybe then we have to make a further distinction in saying, because ultimately conver- conversion, evangelization, if it's successful, is going to be a fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? No human endeavor can convert someone just by philosophical reasoning yeah. or, you know, beauty or whatever. I think the Holy Spirit really does act. In the final step of evangelization. And so if a Protestant is, let's just say, struggling with this and asking, Lord, lead me deeper to truth, they are confronted with the truth. And then there is an element of their free will saying, am I going to accept this Mm -hmm. or not? Yeah, um, And the same, I think, goes for Catholics
1: as well. Catholics, like, I'm not trying to beat up on any denomination or anything. No, of course. Yeah, exactly. And but this, even Catholics yeah. who are seeking truth, I exactly, think, yeah. get to points where they say, oh, wow, I really am a sinner. Right. But nope, I'm not changing. Right, right, right. You know? Exactly.
0: Exactly. And so, ultimately, I think that's where the Holy Spirit kicks in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, there is an element of our freedom, saying, are we going to accept this truth or not? Um, and it's scary, because that's the threshold of faith. Mm-hmm. That's where you start jumping off into the unknown. Oh, that, that's why
1: faith is an ascent of the will, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so You choose.
0: Yeah, that was good. Thanks, Dalton, for antagonizing my point. That was, You're welcome. That was healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Always here to be contradictory <laughs> or contrary it. Or I, I hope our listeners are enjoying this, and <laughs> it's not painful. So. <laughs> Very good. Well, in closing up here, did we have any tips for evangelization if someone wants to just know how to— Be a light in the world and and really express their faith more in the world. What would you guys say in the last few seconds here?
1: I would just say seek holiness and live holy lives. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's the example. Um,
0: Set an example. You can't sell a product that you don't believe in. Yeah, it's love that converts hearts. Exactly.
1: Not not fiery speech. Being that example, or or even radio shows
0: and radio shows. (laughs) (laughs) But we're trying. (laughs) We're, We're trying. We're trying. Well,
2: that's a wonderful thing that I learned in business is. When, when you are own your own business, you're inevitably in sales. And it, you're right. I mean, people won't buy a thing that you don't believe in because ultimately they're not buying a product. They're buying you. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. And so talking about the faith, you have to have this kind of ultimate con- you know, buy-in. So,
0: God. Yeah, very good. Thanks for joining us for today's Seminarian Show. You can hear this show every Saturday at 1130 and Sunday at 1 p.m. in the audio archives at ThinkAbleRadio.com. Let us end with a glory be. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it, As it was, was in the beginning, beginning is, now, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM 820. Archives of The Seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. Um.